every other Thursday at Some Nerds Have a Podcast. Welcome back. Hi, uh, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And I'm Alex. Uh, and this is going to be another fly-by-night, just sort of, we're talking about whatever. We, uh, two of us anyway, had a homework assignment. I completed mine, Elise. Did uh-huh. you finish yours? Um, You know, finished is a word that's thrown around a lot. Webster's defines finishing as... Much. Um, hmm, I don't know. We I, might have to take this off your final grade there. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. So the homework assignment was for us to finish Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Yes. I am up to. I am up through episode four. So she's about halfway through the season. I'm halfway through. The but season. I understand. I'm like taking my life into my own hands by yes. participating in this podcast. So if I'm spoiled, it is inevitably mm. my own damn fault. I mean. Do you yeah. want us to spoil I, it, or I'm, do you want us I to mean, spoil half of it? We can talk about it. We can, we can talk about it up through halfway, and then I can just talk in vague feelings afterwards. We, <laughs> that sounds good. We should we, do that. We could we could put like earmuffs on. The cone of silence. This is just me holding my hands up to my my ears, going la 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 la. In fairness, the reason why Elise has not finished it is she is watching the show with friends, which means she actually has a social life, as opposed to me, which watched I watched. Most of the series uh, in a single sitting on a Friday night because I had nothing else to do. So <laughs> nerd. Yeah, well, uh, you were well, out of town. You, you were at a you were at a bachelorette I was party. At a bachelorette party. Woo! They, and D and D got canceled. I, and D and D got canceled. So. <laughs> <laughs> because that's our social. Because life. that's yeah. our social life. Yeah. So I sat down and watched Stranger Things instead, and I think it's fine. Just fine. It's. Yeah. fine fine no. it's a it's a sophomore slump of a yeah season. no that it's, those the words yeah. definitely came into my head too um like I mean, okay so here's my thing about sophomore slumps and you see this in tv shows and you see this in you know records and things but like if you think about it you have years and years to perfect yeah. your first season or your first album or your first book or whatever like these characters have clearly been living in their heads for eons and so i think like then you know as you're you have like this executive that's telling you hey you know like how it took you years and years to come up with like the perfect plot and all of these great and interesting characters and this really unique setting can you like repeat that in less than a year okay thanks bye yeah and definitely i i feel that in this one um i feel like and this is getting into mild spoilers, I guess. Um, but I feel like the last scene, like kind of the resolution to all of the storylines in season two, could have literally just been put in the last episode of season one, and it would have made exactly the same amount of sense. Uh, that does not. That does not bode well. Yeah. For I mean, those of us who are like halfway through. I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm just easily impressed, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I'm just saying it like it was a sequel, like as unnecessary sequels went, I felt it was fine. <laughs> unnecessary sequels. I, I felt it was unnecessary. Like, like ah. the all, okay. The, the most interesting thing, like the thing that I thought was the most interesting going out of like end of season one, it's like, oh man. What happened to Eleven? And you find out what happens to Eleven at like the very beginning of the first episode. I'm like, well, <laughs> the turn yeah. turned out she was here the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it was literally the laziest explanation for how she came back. Was like she just came back. She yeah. was just here anyway. Well, I mean, you know, 
I, you know, it does, I guess, make a certain amount of sense, but, you know. It does, but it's like, again, you so, didn't need to make an entire another series for that to be the case. Like, that was the only real, like, that and the, the thing that, the thing um, that's in Will. Will, that Will pukes up at the end of, of the first season. Like, those are the only real plot threads. And, like, again, like, oh, what's that thing that Will puked up? It's this thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they resolve everything really quickly. But something that I want to point out is the fact that, like, it got renewed for, I think, a, I think it's like a four seasons very, Is very quickly. It's... Yeah. So through the fourth season. I thought it was, they were so, just planning on doing three. No, I I think I read somewhere oh, no, that it was it's four. After, after three, they're going to do a time jump. That's what it is. Yeah. So, but, you know, you've got like season, like there's only so much you can do in season two because of the fact that you've got two more seasons coming. So it's not like you can blow your biggest story idea or it's you know everything has to be this sort of pseudo unresolved i feel something that we've touched on in this podcast before Mm. is like how just nothing like we take so much time to tell these stories and nothing ever gets resolved you know what i mean we take so many episodes to do like a week's worth of events. Oh yeah, you yeah, know? That's, and nothing ever really gets resolved. We talked resolved. about that uh, in our in our Daddy David Lynch episode. Yeah, Daddy David uh, Lynch. Because I was I was explaining how like a lot of like what I've saw in the Twin Peaks, uh, the, the latest Twin Peaks, was basically coming from this same idea, and it like like Twin Peaks season or uh, Stranger Things season two, definitely is exactly what I was talking about with that. In yeah. that like, again, we go through. What is it? Seven episodes? It's seven episode series, right? Uh, it's a nine episodes. Nine episodes? No, I think it's only... I, season three... No, season two is nine episodes. Season two? Okay. Yeah, I, I because thought it was I was seven. planning on watching three three, three through three nights, basically. Okay, no, you're right. It is yeah. nine. It is nine. Yeah. I watched... I basically... Because I watched the first six the first night. That's why I was thinking seven. <clears throat> um, yeah. So it was like... It takes nine hours to, again, like like the last scene of season two could have just been put onto the last episode of season one. And it really wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have changed anything. <laughs> um, Cause like the, 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 the stinger, the stinger at the end. And because they're, they're again, they're, they're going for another season and I don't really feel like this is spoiling anything, but the stinger at the end is that, the thing that they knew is still out there is still out there. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing they knew is still out there is still out there, but it knows where they are without there being a gate open. Like, yeah. Like, it can it can still somehow kind of tell their presence location-wise I, I in another I see, dimension. okay, that, now I understand, like, why that was. Like, yeah. why, why like, that was a thing, but I saw him, like... Yeah, that thing's still there. Yeah, it's they still there. They didn't kill it. It's right on top of them, but yeah, in the upside down. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. That that I didn't see. I didn't read it that way. I just read it mm. as they flipped it to the upside down. The, you know, so this is a story about all about how the Will, Will, yeah. Indiana got flipped to the upside down. <laughs> um, Hawkins, 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 Indiana. Indiana thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was fine. Um, there were some parts of it that I really liked. Um, 
I felt how about, like how about that Chicago episode. That Chicago episode was such a plot cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> like you could have again, it, it just could have been like as much as this entire season like doesn't really do much to add on to the story. Like that episode in particular adds nothing to the story. Yeah, that that's the one that's kind of divided everybody. That you know, some people really that, like it, some people don't you, like it. You know all. when that episode should have been. What? Um. The, okay. There. I've. I'm of two minds of this. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, that episode is is following up on a plot thread that is like the very first thing you see in the very first episode yeah. of season one, and then it's like those characters just go away until mm-hmm. that episode, and then they're never referenced again. <laughs> um. So I mean, the way like you say setting it up for yeah. the third season. Yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I feel like it would have been a much like a, a better way to flip the season would have been to just switch the scenes from the beginning and the end of of this season. How do you mean? Like I mean you show that thing looming over them at the beginning of this season like oh here's the big plot thread for this season because that's what the opening scene typically does. Here's going to here's the big plot thread. Like the right. opening scene of season 1 is Oh, here's the upside down and the Demogorgon. That's the first thing you see. Mm-hmm. You know, scientist man being yeah. You know what that story is going to be about. It's about this monster. Um, so when the season two opens up and you see, um, I can't remember her name right now because like it's, it's said like four times in the entire series. I think it's it's Khan something. Uh, Kali, 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 because it's the god of death. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so it's yeah, Kali. When you, you see Kali at the very beginning, it's like, oh, so this story is going to be about, um, like other there are other test experiments out there. There are other people like Eleven, and that's going to be a major part of this story. And then it's like they don't do anything with her. Right. Um. There's like the and even in Eleven's story, like it's the most important in Eleven's story. But even then, like Eleven's character arc would have been the same without yeah. that character in there. So it's like, no, no, no. You should have saved that as like the, the cliffhanger I mean, at the end. Like you see the you see the heist from the beginning of the season. It's like, oh, there are other people like Eleven out there. Like, I mean that I, would be exciting for the next season. I mean it's her role is to be a Yoda. That's her role is to be a Yoda of, and to show up for a little but, bit in the middle there to train but with, you know, and, and to do that so that it comes back later as like, oh you're getting stronger. But I'm doing this. I feel thing. like see okay I feel, but it's a Yoda that rubs and shoots people. Yeah. And I feel like that that her role as the teacher is overshadowed by the role as a foil. Mm-hmm. Like, like her role as the foil is mostly, and this is going down what you've seen, but basically, so Eleven winds up with this crew. Yeah. And, like, the entire point of the episode is, like, oh... She's like training her to how to use her powers, I guess. But it's like, or how to use hate. How to use she's hate? Training her to yeah, be a Sith. She's, she's training her to be a Sith. <laughs> and then, it, like, when it comes down to like, like they're about to murder someone, and Eleven stops them, and then she goes back. Like that's the episode. Like, and I'm I'm okay with spoiling you because again, it doesn't add anything to the yeah. actual story arc. Like, there's there's much bigger, more important things that happen to Eleven in the season. And I feel like, okay, if you were going to do that story, if you're going to do this, Eleven is being tempted by the dark side. Either you should have gotten to it way, way, way sooner in the series because the elements for that are already set up. They're set up for it in season one. And then in season two, all you need to show is, oh, she feels held back by Hopper. Like that, you get that instantly in like the first two episodes. So you could have just had it be 
at the end of episode two, she goes someplace else and then she finds out about the other kid and finds them. And then like there's that, that way there's like three or four episodes where we're like, is 11 going to turn to the dark side? Is she going to become this murderer instead of one 45 minute episode where she's tempted for like 10 minutes and then just goes back to, Oh, my friends need me. It's really, so it's something that really bothers me about a lot of like major television now, or like a lot of contemporary television is everybody, you know, and we've talked a lot about this with pacing and how we have like several shows out there that it's like, they take place over the week, over a course of a week or a course of like four days as in the course of, uh, as in the case with orange is the new black. And how long is, is, um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but how long is, is this season supposed to be? Cause it seems like it's only like three or four days. The speaking of that, that's what made me think. The first season I think was roughly about equivalent, like a day, an episode, I think. I'm not sure about the second. This season is definitely not a day, an episode. Like it's, it's like a couple of days before, when does it start? Like October 24th, I think is the first episode. Um, it was like a few days before Halloween. Maybe it's maybe it's like the twenty seventh. No, it's the twenty eighth because it premiered on the twenty seventh, and it was like the day after that mm-hmm. it, yeah. it premiered was when it was supposed to be set. So yeah, like it was it was like twenty eighth, and then it go to they go to Halloween. So that's like three days, and then it's like it's a little unclear. It's like maybe a day or two. Well, remember the the Chicago episode is kind of concurrent with one of yes, the other episodes. Yes, it is. So those two kind of be linked together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I'm, I'm just trying to think about like how long it takes. Like, because the thing that happens to Will happens on Halloween, right? Yeah. Uh, the th- No, it happens the day after. The day after yeah, Halloween. The so day that's after November Halloween. 1st. Because on Halloween, he goes to, he, he sees it so, and yeah, yeah. the camera sees it. Yeah, that's right. And then the day after is when he gets the advice from Bob. Oh, God, that's the worst advice ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the best advice if you don't know that you're. Yeah, yeah you know. no, it was Bob did the best he could the, the context, with what he you. understood. Also, stop picking on Sean no, Astin. I will never stop which picking been... on Sean Astin. Why would you pick on Sean Astin? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Just, oh, my he's God. so. This has been like the uh, argument of our household for the past week. Was about. Like, I just, I just whether, don't like okay, him. Okay, but before before we get onto like okay, the sorry. Sean Astin rabbit hole, I think one <laughs> the of the Sean Astin hate train all aboard. Oh, no, no, no. Oh my no. god! But something that really kind of bothers me is you know we'll play around with time, we'll rest, you know, we'll really elongate how much stuff we do in a short amount of time. But when it comes to like really big questions, like. Will this character turn to the dark side? Will this character, you know, make a drastic change in their choices? It's like, no, we got to resolve that shit in like 15 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. And I see it like I feel like I see it like really consistently across like several different platforms. And it's hard. It's hard to find like shows where characters really wrestle with like things and ideas and how they perceive themselves and what their output it just you know what I mean like we it's everything so elongated but characterization is really stunted yeah. if that makes sense yeah and I don't I, I feel like I mean the as far as character arcs went in this series like the arcs were there but again, they were arcs that's like... Steve has the best arc. Steve does have the best arc. 
Um, like Steve in this series is actually probably the most interesting of those characters. Which, God, did you think you were going to say that a year ago? I know. <laughs> and, and it's because he's replaced by Max's stepbrother, whose name is escaping me. It's Joey. I think it uh, is Billy. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. They're like, okay, well shit, we can't just have Steve be the asshole again. Cause we redeemed him at the end of the last season. So we need to have a new asshole to just yeah. kind of be there. And honestly, like, that the resolution of that storyline i felt like was like i felt like it had higher stakes than the than the resolution of the main storyline <laughs> like i i i know like in and i was thinking about this last night because i finished watching it last night i feel like now see this oh, this is fresh in your mind yeah, yeah i've yeah. been waiting a couple yeah, weeks yeah. for to talk about this and so i haven't watched it yeah. yeah i i feel like and 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 I mean, you guys might see it differently. I feel like even though the stakes were higher in this season on principle, they didn't feel like they were as high as they did in the first season. Like, so something I, I that really, but go ahead. Okay. I I'm agreeing with Nick. And I think something that really added to the feeling of high stakes in season one was one with will. And yeah. I think that really like, hit a lot of people. I know it hit me in my heartstrings that it's like, there's a missing child. Yes. You know? So like automatically the stakes are super high because, Oh my God, this kid is missing. Oh, he's not missing. Where is he? Blah, blah, blah. And we know what the monster can do because of what, what we see it with Barbara. with Barbara. Yeah. 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 But we never see the monster We're until the, until like the absolute end of season one, we get glimpses, we get flashes, but we don't really see the whole monster. And now it's like in season two, that element of suspense is missing because we're like, shit, we know what's going after them. Yeah. We know what the monster looks like. We know what happens in the upside down. And so it's just, I feel like that automatically makes the stakes seem lower because there are more known factors in yeah. season two than there are in season one i mean i i would i would have to disagree okay uh and i feel like that's going to be kind of the back and forth here. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i'm, I'm going to yeah, be the one disagreeing okay. with you folks on these things uh, because well, at least hasn't finished it yet yeah. so at least might have a different takeaway from the end of the series maybe, than i do but maybe but the um i think that the stakes being higher is alluded to and it it's... is explicitly stated in the beginning parts of it yeah no where it's not so i mean yeah there's the emotional gut punch of a missing child that's yeah. true but here it's starting to affect people that have no relation to this whatsoever yes farmers crops are going yes. back yeah. you know th these thing is is reaching into the mundane no. world on a level that had and, not yet been seen and that's what i'm when i when i was saying so, sorry, just Go to ahead. cut in really, really quickly. So, um, something that, Alex, I feel like you're touching on mm -hmm. is the sort of paradox of, like, one person you know dying mm -hmm. versus, like, 10,000 people you, you don't know dying. The, yeah. and the, you know what I mean? Like, the more people die or the further removed something is from you, the lower the stakes seem. So, like, the stakes seemed really high because it's like we knew, even without truly meeting Will, we knew who he was. We knew what he meant to other people. And so that made the gut punch really yeah. severe. And now in this and this season, you're absolutely right. More people are being affected. More things on a global scale, as much as as globally as you can scale. get. Regional scale. Yeah, well, regional I mean, scale are getting I mean, affected. By the time it gets and then the that end. makes it yeah. feel 
like it inherently makes the stakes feel lower because the stakes are less personal. Yeah, it's it's one death is a tragedy. Yeah. A million deaths are a statistic. What, exactly. What yeah. to what quote Joseph Stalin? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what what really awkward? <laughs> but but what really? And I was thinking about this last night because I was like I finished it up and I and I was thinking about this because you're right. Like this is something where the stakes should be higher. Like from what the show has told me, mm-hmm. the stakes are higher. Right. Okay. This is a thing that could potentially end the world. Yeah. That like that's like by the time you get to the end of the season, like they, they're uh-huh. like, oh yeah. By the way, this is what could happen if we fail. Is this could is it could end the world? Mm-hmm. The reason why they don't feel like I don't feel as tense watching it this time around, watching this season as I did watching the first season, is that in the first season you're not told what the stakes are. You're shown what yes, the stakes are. Absolutely. Um, and you see this like again through the way that everyone is reacting when Will is gone. Like you're you're understanding like the pain and frustration that Winona Ryder's character is going through, and like you're seeing how his friends are dealing with it, and you're seeing how the entire community is dealing with it. Because even though the the actual impact is like only on the individual characters that we're following, we see all of this community coming together to kind of like react to what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. Whereas with this story, the community is completely oblivious through the entire thing. Like you see those farmers at the beginning, but like, that's the only real connection that the rest of the town has to what's going on. I think like one of the things that they kind of, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner with the whole scene with like the FBI agents or like the government agent, I don't know. Yeah, whatever they're supposed. Whatever to be. they're supposed to be coming in and Department telling everybody. Of energy, I think. Yeah, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what's going on. Don't tell anybody what's going on. And it's like you kind of write yourself into a corner at that point because it's like, well, now we can't explore how it. You you know what I mean? It ties into what Nick was saying about like the community being oblivious. Well, of course they're oblivious because the only people that know what's going on were sworn to secrecy. Yeah, but I'm saying that, like, you could have still done something with it to, like, make it make the stakes like make it the, the, more clear like oh, people, the, people couldn't have readily agreed like will's parents automatically are like i think the line is like we're all patriots in this household you know what he means like everybody agrees to secrecy very mike's, quickly mike, mike's, mike's parents, parents yeah. yeah mike's parents well, mike's parents me, also mike's voted parents. for reagan so yeah, yeah screw yeah, them yeah. um but you know what i mean like the only person that really like is like oh my god we should tell people is fucking nancy yeah like goddamn nancy come on yeah, uh, and Nancy Nancy goes off on her own. Have you gotten to that part yet? With um, I, I'm what, what I'm, you, that's, I'm, to, yeah. I'm on episode five, I think. Okay. So, so like, so, like what's, I, what's I see it. I um Nancy, was it Nancy and Jonathan just came back from the lab and they were told like don't tell anybody, like this is what's going on and they're showing the lab and then Nancy's like, fuck this shit, I do what I want and then like that's kind of. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Okay. So I haven't seen her like go out into the great wide wonder, but it's definitely happening. So something, I don't know, sorry, not to get us like completely derailed here, That's but um, something I remember reading on, on the internet, on the internet, as they say, it's usually true. I, I can't remember. I think it was like slate um, or Atlantic, you know, one of those online magazines. And they were talking about like, how <laughs> frustrating it is that all of the strong female never characters interact. Yeah. never interact. Like Nancy and Max and Eleven. And Joyce. Yeah, like that's and, such and Joyce. And yeah, Joyce. and Joyce. 
Like they never interact with each like, other. Like even they when never... they're on screen with each other, they're like, "What the fuck? Like, Man, uh, what the fuck?" Joyce and Eleven interacted briefly, briefly. in season one. Briefly in season one, and then like again very briefly in season two. But the the re- the interaction that they had was just like a stereotypical like mother daughter like. I'm going to help you through this replacement for my missing child. I mean, it, I, I felt like in season one that worked. I, I, and yeah. this was, this was another thing that I kind of like uh, that, that I liked in season one that I didn't see so much of in season two. Um, Nick is doing a lot of pointing never at a mind. glass never, of water. Someone, have no idea what he's talking there's, about. There's something, there's, there's a top in your water. Like the top of that jar is in there. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> anyway, the, this makes for a great podcasting. I was trying to do this. I was trying to do this out of drawing attention to it. We but. have no idea what you're going on about. No, at okay. least no one does. All right. So, um, what was well, I saying? Alex gave me the water, so it's actually his fault. <laughs> it's my fault. I'm sorry. So, what was I saying? Okay, so in season one, one of the things that I really appreciated about that was that, like, everyone was having their own story, and then it kind of built at the end. Like, that was one of the other reasons why I felt like the stakes were higher, because, like, everyone had their own, like, personal stakes yeah. in this. Like, yeah. you know, the, the D&D group wanted to get their friend back, and the, uh, you know, obviously the mom wanted her son back. Nancy wanted to find out what happened to, to her, her friend, friend Barb. Barb. And then, like, the sheriff. And I think that was one of the reasons. Uh, in the first season, Sheriff Hopper is one of my favorite characters, and I still like him Punch in cop. season two. Yeah, because Punch, Punch cop. cop. Like, that was the best thing. When, like, he tries to do, like, those suave, like, kind of s- secret agent thing. And when that hey, doesn't you work, you can come just... back here. Ah. <laughs> Punch. Yeah. No, that's the best part of the entire first season. I love that. Um, and sidebar, I really, um, as much as I kind of dislike the fact that they are rebooting Hellboy instead of continuing from Golden Army, if they have to reboot it, he's an excellent choice to play Hellboy. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, but I like, and I, I just like that all of those stories were kind of like building on each other. And then at the end, it's like when they start meeting up, it's like shit's going down. All the storylines yeah. are intersecting. Like, well, I mean. That did happen. It kind of happened. I mean, but it Na- doesn't. Nancy and Steve, Nancy and, uh, it, it, and Jonathan, Jonathan. Yeah, it doesn't. But it doesn't happen to the, the same. The it doesn't happen with the same kind of rhythm. Like it feels like I don't know. It, I, I think it. I mean, it's you know, of course, it's not as good as the original. Yeah. But I think it hits that same kind of it, general it, flow. I feel like one. it tries to, and the fact that it's trying to kind of replicate the same. Thing as the first, so you do want it to okay. do that, but you I, don't want it. No, do that. no, what I'm saying is, if I if they're going to do the same thing, I want them to do the same thing better. Mm-hmm. If they're going to not do it better, I want them to try something different. Okay, <laughs> like yeah. that's what I'm saying. Because like, yeah, it, um, because like what they were going for, like the feel of it. I mean, especially with the inclusion of um mad about you as the doctor oh god what's that guy's name uh the guy from aliens yeah the guy from aliens the guy from mad about you i'm blanking on his name right now but with the inclusion of him and like especially with the i'm not to get into spoilers but like what happens at the end of the series like where all the characters end up at the end even with like the klaxon noise in the background is just ripped straight from aliens. It's like, Oh, they want me to be thinking about aliens. Well, what did aliens do? Well, aliens took the premise of the first movie and then they kind of replicated it and showed what would happen in like on a larger scale. And I feel like that's what this was trying to accomplish. And just the scale, it doesn't feel like it's a bigger scale. And I, 
it goes from being Ripley alone, what's to, happening yes. to Ripley, to, you know, like, okay. Well, not, yeah, not Ripley but, alone, but, like, but, Ripley with a small group of people right. with, like, one alien. Whereas this is, like, all right, we're going to care about these kids, and now you're going to care about this whole damn town. And it's, like, yeah. it's still not... Like, all of Indiana! Yeah. And it's like, nobody gives a shit about Indiana. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, Indiana. I, I, well, I mean, I, it's not even that. I, I, I feel like... I, I feel like <laughs> I Do felt... Do you, though? I, Do you really? I cared... I, like I said, I cared a lot more about the rest of the town in season one mm. than I do in season two. Because in season two, the rest of the town is relegated to their teacher... That like the the biology teacher who's the best who's the best but also isn't given as much characterization in this in this uh, in this season as he was in the first season yeah like in the first season he actually does have like characterization we learn more about him in the first season than we do in the second season um so like he's just kind of completely off to the side didn't he have like a date in he the does first that, season? that's what I'm talking about yeah. Um, yeah, he gets nothing in the second season. So, so it's him. It's the rando dude who works at the um, who works at the arcade. Yeah, who no one cares about because he's terrible. And I, I don't he is, even. He is pretty terrible. Yeah, and like the stepbrother is the only other new character who's not directly involved in the events of the story that we meet. Bob directly involved in the events of the story. Bob uh, becomes directly involved in the events of the story. Oh, I thought we were avoiding spoilers. Well, yeah. well, I mean, it's... Oh, you mean this big-name Hollywood actor becomes a, a major plot thread? He's Sean Astin. This, He's not like, a big-name Hollywood actor. Stop picking on Sean Astin. Never. That's the title of this episode. Stop picking never. on Sean Astin. <laughs> I'll never stop picking on <laughs> Sean Astin. Uh, why you got to shit on Sam? Frodo should have just shoved him in Mountain Dew. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're sleeping on the couch tonight. You're sleeping on the couch for that one. Oh, oh my god! No, the worst part of the entire season, though, is 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 him, is his character. And when he says the thing about, "Oh, what's under the X? Pirate treasure?" I'm like, "Get out of the show! What? <laughs> Go Why? away and never come back!" Why? What is As, this, what is this irrational hatred because, of this actor? Because he's the worst part of Goonies, <laughs> and like the fact that he's like. Re- like, get it? This is referencing Goonies. Here's my Goonies line. <laughs> Here's the line about Goonies. You guys remember Goonies? Oh my god! You know what? Actually, Nick is cut off from the rest of his podcast oh, no. because he's he's hit his very low allotment of picking on Sean Astin. <laughs> you told me to get back on the Sean god. Astin hate train earlier. I I'm was not, just I'm not on the Sean Astin hate train. I'm on. I love Sean Astin. God, he's adorable. Mm-hmm. He's wonderful. Mm-hmm. He has the sweetest stories from the Lord of the Rings set. Like seriously. Stop picking on he's, Sean Astin. He's human dishwater. I don't stop this. Oh my god! <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's like he's just super dull, and it's oh it, like the like they just kind of shoehorned him into this story, and he didn't add anything to it, and it was just he gave he gave Will that advice. He gave Will the advice that caused all the problems in the entire season. <laughs> Okay, that was really solid advice if you didn't know that Will was being yeah. chased by the upside down. Like 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 you know what I mean? Like if it was But but Will should have realized him, like, I'm being given this advice by You're gonna say Sean Astin, I want you to stop right there. <laughs> by by the worst character in Lord of the Rings. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, that is like going too that that's like a bridge too far to then just shove Samwise Gamgee. Who's worse? Under Tell the me the bus. one character who's worse than Sam. I don't know. Tom Bombadil. Grandma Wormtongue. <laughs> 
Actually, Nick really likes Tom I love Bombadil. Tom Bombadil, he's my favorite character. <laughs> Nick has terrible taste. No, in case Tom you Bombadil. haven't His realized, boots are yellow. He's got the blue coat. Wow, that's so much characterization with those. With he's those probably boots and that coat. he's probably some sort of elder god. It's I don't know who's worse in Lord of the Rings than Samwise Gamgee's. I don't know. Maybe Grimma Wormtongue. These interesting. Sauron, the Dark Lord. The, those characters are interesting. Sauron doesn't like, have any you characteristics. Are literally, evil. you are Read literally the defending. Oh, get out of here! Get the it's your house. Get the fuck out of here, man! <laughs> You're literally defending a fiery eyeball. Yes. You're literally defending a fiery eyeball over over Samwise Gamgee. He emotes better. Hashtag the most loyal character in all of literature. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Like, you're done. I agree with Alex. Like, just get out of here. Uh, welcome back to my podcast, guys. <laughs> so let's keep talking about how terrible. No, I, I, I'm done with this. I know I'm right. I'm fine with this. Oh, my God. All of the other terrible things that Sean Astin has been in. Like, like what, 24? Tries... Oh, yeah. Was he in 24? Yes, he was in 24. I never watched 24. He's probably the most boring part of 2014. Oh my god, too. shut up. Um, but in any event, um, so exasperated. Gives... I hope you all heard like the unison <laughs> exasperated sigh that Alex and I gave uh, just then. In any event, um, what were, what were we talking about? We were talking about we Stranger to... Things. We were talking about, about Stranger and about things. how you guys don't like it. And I, I think okay, we gotta... again, I'm going back to the, I'm going back to this. I know I've been shitting on it a lot. I'm mostly just talking about because the complaints like. The things that are strong about, like, the first season, I feel like, for the most part, like, the things that are good in the second season are the same sorts of things that were good in the first season. Like, the things that I'm bringing up are the things that it's like, that's kind of a letdown. Like, again, I think it's fine. I don't hate it. Like, it's, again, I I feel like the... because they are building it as a sequel, and I think that's kind of where how I'm looking at this, Mm -hmm. is it's not... It's not the second season of a TV show because it's like it's Stranger Things two. It is and they a restart sequel. the chapter numbers yes. too in the in the show. And, okay. and so I'm looking at it as I would look at a movie sequel. And so the the rule of okay, if if you're doing a sequel, the sequel has to be like bigger than the original. And they do that at least in terms of numbers. Like there are more monsters. There's a bigger possible threat. Um, there's all these things that are going on. But, okay. Um, Alex is writing something down. Don't, don't remind me. Just keep going. Um, but I feel like in terms of what actually is, like, ha- the emotional context of a lot of it is not as strong as it was in the first season. And, again, I going back to what Elise was saying earlier, like, I absolutely agree with you that a lot of that is, like, and I never really thought about it in, that, in those terms. I was thinking about it mostly in terms of, like, you're seeing the effects of what's happening in the rest of the town. And then you're following the people who are actually trying to do something about it. Whereas in this season, it's like, Oh, there's something going on. The rest of the town doesn't know about it. No one's like really told about it in any way because I guess they can't, but it's just makes it feel, it feels, it feels less epic than the first season, Mm. even though it's supposed to be. And I mean, epic in the, like in the traditional sense, um, in that it's 12 hours long and sung by an Icelandic. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know it. I mean, the, the, the synthesizer is the modern bard. I think we can yeah. all agree to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. And, and I, and 80s throwback stuff has just been kind of 
like even before Stranger Things, I felt like Stranger Things did this very, very well in terms of mm-hmm. 80s throwback. But <clears throat> there have been, I'm oh, sorry. I mean, I guess this is probably where you're going with this, but it's like, you know, since Stranger Things, it's like we've had Chloe and we've had other, you know, other 80s themed stuff. And not even just since Stranger Things, but like, and even like just 80s themed horror, like we've got the the It remake. I mean, that's early 90s, yeah. but still like close enough. Um, we've got that. We've got like It Follows, which is kind of very much 80s inspired in terms of tone and the visuals and the soundtrack. Um and just all the and uh, what was the other one that I watched recently? Uh, Beyond the Gates. I think I talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, another kind of sort of eighties throwback horror film. Like all these things that people have been doing, and like Stranger Things did it really, really well. The first season did it great. Um, and I feel like at this point, like that part of it has kind of worn out, and I just feel like the story isn't as strong in season two to kind of justify its existence. Like the things that I was interested in, the things that I was like left like on the edge of my seat from at the end of season one, I'm like, okay, well, that's going to be like the mystery of season two. Cause there's a lot of mystery involved in season one. And then in season two, it's just like, here's what's happening. And then they just kind of plod along. Well, myst- I mean, the to- mystery is how to, we know what it is. The mystery is, what do we do about it? Yeah, but that's not that's not a mystery. I think <laughs> it's a mystery. No, I mean, because I mean, the mystery... How, how do you comprehend and fight this thing that has all-powerful well, and, and okay, unknowable? So in order for it to be a mystery, there has to be a hidden truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there has to be, like, something that either we don't know as the audience or the characters don't know that, you know... Is uncovered, is uncovered piece by piece. Piece by piece. By piece. Learning how to deal with the ramifications of a situation is more problem solving. And so in that way, it's more like an action film. Like, how are we going to solve this problem? As opposed to like a mystery that uses like dramatic irony and other things to, to uncover uh, uncover a truth slowly over time and and i feel like and again that would be fine because they're clearly going for like okay well season one if season one was alien season two is aliens and they definitely are trying to go for that but like the reason why aliens work so well as a sequel is that there are huge awesome action set pieces that like take up a large part of that movie and like Again, it's like not a mystery of like, well, what is this thing? How does it work? How do we stop it? How do we get rid of it? It's like, we know all those things. But then like running into the problems of like, well, upping the stakes by upping the body count would be one thing that you would do. Right. And like um, nobody, no one of consequence dies in this series. What? Well, you're just saying, oh, I can't. Do, no, yeah. No. <laughs> I think I figured yeah, it out, no, which makes me a little sad. I'm going to be honest, but, but it's, it's, it's okay. It, it's no, like... But seriously, like, all of the bodies that you see lying around, for the most part, are unnamed random extras. Like, the reason, part of the reason why the stakes worked in season one, again, season one had a fairly low body count. But, like, we got to know Barb as a character. Like, Barb became, like, one of the standout characters in that season because it's like, oh, my God, they just killed off this character that a lot of people actually identified with. Mm -hmm. And that made it, like, and it was fairly early on in the series. Like, they they introduced her. They show what kind of person she was. We got to know her. And then she got killed off. And it was like, 
And one of the things that I do appreciate about season two is that they do come back to it. Cause it's like, well, what happened to Barb? Like, why does no one give a shit about yeah, what happened to Barb? Yeah. Well, it's like, okay, well actually people do give a shit about what happened to Barb. And I kind of like that. That was kind of a through line through this season. Mm-hmm. But again, it wasn't like, it still was kind of, it felt like it was put in there because like, well, the fans really want us to follow back up on this Barb character. Yeah. We kind of got to do something about that now. Um, like it felt like a little, it felt a little bit like an afterthought. I'm not saying that it was, but it just kind of felt that way to me. I mean, it's it's Nancy has no other thing to do in this if not for Bob. yeah, and that's and so you know that's you know that seems to be something and Nancy that... is a really interesting character, mm-hmm. and it would have been a really sh- like it would have been a really big shame if it was if she didn't if have she a through line. If yeah, she yeah. yeah, you know, um, but I don't know, I. I... There are things about it that I really did like. I, I I liked Eleven's character arc for the most part. Let's do the praise cast. Yeah, let's yeah. let's talk about what was good because there were things that were good. And I don't want people to come away from this thinking that I just hate everything that's popular. I liked it well enough. I uh, here's the thing: like Stranger Things two is still going to be better than like a lot of crap that's out. No, there. absolutely, like, like absolutely. Cereal. Stranger Things two is completely. It is a it is a solid sequel. Like it it is it does kind of sort of expand on the story a little bit. I wish that they expanded on it more. Um, and they will. And they will. And I I, I guess that's kind of... And, and so, like, yeah, the words sophomore slump definitely do come to mind. Like, I feel like they're kind of spinning the wheels here, being like, all right, well, what do we want to do in seasons three and four? Like, what do those look like? And so I feel like season two just kind of became, like, a linking point between season one, which was a complete story in its own right, and then the rest of the overarching story in seasons three and four. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of begins and ends in, like, a very liminal way, where it just doesn't feel as solid, I guess. Like, season one started and ended. Like, here's what the story is going to be about. Here's the problem for season one. Okay, End of season one. We've dealt with that problem, but are there more problems on the horizon? Yes, they are. And here yes, it they is. are. Yes, they are. Here it is. Um, but again, like the way that those are set up at the end of season one, and then the way that they're dealt with at the beginning of season two, I felt like was kind of lacking. Um, I do like Eleven's character arc a lot. I, I I like the fact as much as I wish that they were was something a little bit more to it than she just came back, guys. Like. I was expecting, like, is she, like, trapped between worlds? Is it, yeah, like... Yeah, I had, I had thought something like that was going to happen, too. Like, I, I will admit, I, I was a little disappointed that's what it was. But I, I rolled with it and said, okay, well, let's see where this goes. I love the relationship between her and Hopper. Mm-hmm. Like, those are both my favorite characters in the first season. And, like, having them interact so much in season two, I really, really liked... Um, like Hopper trying to be a good dad again after what happened to him and like not really being able to do it. And then like gradually becoming a better person, like his character arc and this season I thought was really good as well. Um, I liked that Will and Mike had so much time in the spotlight in the first season. And so in the second season we're getting more of, um, Lucas and Dustin. Dustin. I, I, one thing that I dislike, and I'm just going to throw in here is that Dustin's story arc, like Dustin has a character arc, 
But the character, or not, not Dustin, Lucas. The character arc that Lucas has is kind of ancillary to the character arcs of Dustin and Max. Like it feels like he's kind yeah. of thrown in as an accessory to their to those character arcs. Um, I, I kind of I, I got really bothered, and I mean, I'm only like four episodes in, but this whole like love triangle that they tried mm. to set up between Dustin Lucas and Max. And it's like, I I mean, it's been done so many times and it would have been great to just have like, here's a really cool girl character mm. who's just going to hang out with the AV club now. And goddamn Mike, I really was over. I'm okay. sorry. I know we're supposed to like praise now, but <laughs> I was really like, like, Oh, you're worried. She's going to replace 11. Like, shut the fuck up. Mike. Yeah. Like, shut yeah, up. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about that either. And I don't like, I, I feel like, I feel like the resolution to the, 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 uh, love triangle story arc is pretty good. Okay. Like the way that it ends is not bad. I just wish that Lucas was actually now. Lucas does some really awesome things in his story, but I feel like it's not in service to the character of Lucas. It's in service to the character. Are you sure it's not just saying that Lucas is freaking awesome? I mean, Lucas is awesome. He's great. (laughs) But I like, and that's part of what my problem is. Like, I like Dustin a lot too. And I really like that. Like Dustin got to have kind of his own story for a while there. But yeah, like him Lu- and Steve. Lucas, yeah, him and Steve, like, and I love that. Like, that was part of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite things in the series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like Lucas didn't get as much time in the spotlight, and like, what he does get is good because he's he's a great character. But it's just like there could be more of him. I don't know. Maybe season three is going to Ma- be like maybe season three Lucas's season. Like we'll we're just going to get like the all, Lucas all show. All Lucas all the time. Um, I think I alluded to this before. I would not object to that. I'm <laughs> just saying. I, I think I, I alluded to this before, but the Max and what's his name? Billy. I keep forgetting. Billy. Yeah. Billy. Yeah. The Max and Billy story is in my mind, the most satisfying part of the entire series. Is that so? The entire season. Yeah. I, I, like I was like, I was kind of like starting to wane in interest a little bit, and then like they get to the resolution for that, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is the best part. And then like that, that's over, and it's kind of like, all right, I guess we're gonna stop the world ending problem now. But that was the thing that I wanted to see resolved. I don't know. I I don't know. If I had a complaint, it would actually probably be what you just said is really? the best. Yeah. I I mean, it is. It, it is. You know. Good. That's a good story. Yeah. It may, the thing is, I'm just. It was a, it was a little too much like season one. No, like the, the... no, 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 no. It, it's nothing like season one. Okay. The, the the thing I'm trying to th- uh, say is that Max, right? Mm-hmm. Max's character, you know, is you know Max's character is awesome, but I also can kind of see that they kind of threw her in there maybe just to be this kind of love triangle. Like, I, like, what, what, I mean, she, I would agree. For watching it, while watching it, you know, my biggest thing was, well, who's this new character? What do they do? Are they connected? Is this another person with a number? Yeah. And, and it's like, no, it's, it's nothing like that. It, it's got nothing to do with the, this. It's just uh, another monkey wrench. Yeah. You really needed another girl character. They're, they're, yeah, well, I yeah. mean, I feel like I would agree if she wasn't so well defined as an individual. Mm. Like I would agree that she was just thrown in there for a love triangle, but it's like they spent 
a fair amount of time on developing her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they, I again, it could possibly be more. The one big thing that I really wish that they would go into that they don't really explain is the line about like, well, whose fault is it that we moved? Like that fight that she has with her with with Billy. Like, oh, we moved because like like we moved because of you. No, we moved because of you. Like. Well, what the fuck does that mean? Why do they move? Like, what what forced them to move? Like, maybe that's something that will be brought up in season three, which like they were just leaving that there for for like future storylines. But yeah, I think that's and to be fair. Like, Stranger Things has shown us like if they tease something, they'll resolve it. Yeah, so, you know what I mean. And that's like, kind of why that stood out to me is because that's something that like is like the one thing that got teased in this season that didn't really come to any sort of like importance. Uh huh. Um, but I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I think about it. I, I look forward to seeing like what more they'll have for her. Cause yeah, she wasn't, she could have done with more character development, but she was just kind of like the outsider character in this mm-hmm. one. So it's like most of it was like her kind of being brought into the events that are going on Yeah, was most of her development. Like, and that's that's fine. She's like for... the friend that you uh, forced to watch season two without having seen season yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and that's it... her function. Do you have a friend you forced to watch yeah. season and two? And I like no, because I'm not a terrible person. I, I, like, I would absolutely make you watch season one first. Also, they totally <laughs> threw in that line about like, oh, it seems a little bit derivative. Like, okay, Duffer Brothers, we get it. <laughs> we get it. God. You clever jerks. Um. Like, yeah, Are we going to talk about anything besides Stranger I Things think tonight? We will, but I, I wanted to, to ask a question before I talk about something else about Stranger okay. Things. And that is, I have I have something I noticed while watching this. Okay. But it involves me talking about something that is a spoiler that I kind of hinted at earlier. All right. I, I just accept the spoiler. You'll accept Go the spoiler. I'm 90% sure what you're going to okay. say, so just say it. So, okay. So, spoilers... Bob Bob's life is not long for the screen. Yeah, I, I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah. But what I noticed about season two and season one is that all of the characters that are named that die begin with the letter B. Okay. So all two of them. All two of them. No, there's Bob. There's Barb. There's Benny. Who the hell is Benny? Benny's the owner of the restaurant that gets <gasps> shot in the head. Oh, oh yeah, I've completely forgot about him. And yeah. although this may or may not be true, there's Dr. Brenner. Oh yeah. And all of the Yeah, that was a weird thing that they threw in there. Yeah. What the hell was that about? And then there's what is it that Eleven always calls the people chasing her? The bad men. The yeah, bad men. That's true. I don't know what is going on with that, if it's completely unintentional or if there's something going on with it. It might be completely unintentional, it might be completely but it's, unintentional. that's interesting. But yeah, even the people you didn't think about since season one, yeah, they all had... Now, Now the only other major character I can think of that has a B name is Billy, which makes me think that his days might be numbered in season three, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure. One can only hope. One can only hope. God, that character is annoying. Mm. Um... God, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, though. I never thought about that. But, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, again, like, the, the body count, it, it could have stood to be higher. And, yeah, like, the thing with the with Dr. Brenner, like, that – what – why would you even, like I, – I, I don't want them to have that actually be true because that would be <laughs> such a dumb kind of cop-out way to have, like – 
something happening in season three if he was actually still alive. Well, if he's, he's still alive and working for the Russians. <laughs> or, or something. Are you talking about Matthew Modine's character? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Because there, there's, a, there's a part in it where... Um, where Kali tries to con- again the Chicago episode. Yeah, this yeah. is the Chicago okay. episode. So again, you could probably just skip that episode entirely. No, just- don't skip the episode. Don't skip any episode. Okay. God, don't give bad advice. I mean, it's but it's the only. <laughs> just turn around and face your fear. Will okay. Sorry, I'm just Speaking saying. Bad advice. I'm just saying the only like overarching plot beat is that Eleven goes away and then comes back, and she learns how to be really angry. <laughs> she already knows how to be really angry. Like, see, that's the thing is, like, if she was struggling to use her powers, like, if that was her like character arc for this season, mm-hmm. like, that's why I was saying that that would fit better in like another season, yeah. where if like well, suddenly she's having trouble controlling her powers. Oh, why is it? Well, maybe we could find other people that have they have these powers, and she can they can help. Mm-hmm. And then like she gets tempted by the dark side. Like that is a character arc. That's a story there. And instead, it's just kind of like. Oh, she goes away. She finds these people. Well, did she be tempted? She find, nope. She, she finds her mother too. Yeah, 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 that and but that I feel like the story arc could have ended there. Mm-hmm. Like, what does the mother need to tell her? What does the mother need to show her? Oh, that her friends are in danger and she needs to go back and help them. Mm-hmm. Like that it fills the same criteria for what happens in that episode. Yeah. Um. So and, and again, the mother, like we find out again, kind of spoilers or spoiler alert. We find out that the mother has some sort of, uh, latent psychic ability too, like that Eleven's mother does. Um, so from like all those years of LSD from all those years of LSD. Yeah. Didn't we, we met the mother in season yes, one, we didn't we? Yes. Yeah. She comes she back in a catatonic two. state. Yes. Yeah. And she still is. She still is. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's, I don't know. I feel like that episode has just come to completely superfluous. Um, but, but again, it could work in another context. It just, it doesn't, really work for me the way that it's thrown in there um like i said that's that's the thing that like if you either love it or you hate it yeah you know, one and i liked it i, I will say certainly back to that episode i mean back to the praise train back to the praise train praise train there is one thing that like i really appreciated uh it was it's a background throwaway gag but it's probably the best background throwaway gag that i've ever seen in this show is in their hideout there is um, graffiti that says King Mob and Obedlam, um, which is a reference to one of my favorite comic book series, The Invisibles, which is all about a group of like transient secret agents trying to overthrow uh, a, an extra dimensional conspiracy controlling the planet. <laughs> Um, because King Mob is the main is one of the main characters is the leader of the Invisibles and Tom O'Bedlam is one of the other uh, members of it from the beginning. <laughs> so it's like fucking a that's perfect because like those characters are just the Invisibles like the like they look like a lot of the characters. The street gang. Yeah, yeah, they look like the Invisibles and it's like okay, that's a cool little nod. I yeah. like I appreciate that. It doesn't add anything extra to the episode, but it like it makes me happy that you know that series because that series clearly does have an influence on what you're doing here. Okay. That makes me want you to do better stuff with what you're doing here. <laughs> so so something that like this whole conversation is making me think is that there was totally like a pitch meeting for Stranger Things 2 where they were like, fuck Hawkins. We're gonna go follow this band of punks as they like have the same powers of eleven and blah blah blah. And then like some some Netflix executive was like, 
what about the D&D kids? Yeah. Everybody loves the D&D kids. And you know what I mean? Like, it, it definitely has, it seems like it has that flavor of, like, hey, this is where we wanted to take this season, or this is where we wanted mm-hmm. to have a spinoff series, or whatever. I would watch a spinoff series about but that But, like, I absolutely would. We I were told we had to go it. talk about Barb. See, and, and and that's the thing is like, and that's the reason why I disliked it because it was just like, it was, it felt like it, it felt completely out of place. It felt like it didn't need to be there. I and I liked the ideas. I liked them a lot. It just it didn't work in the context that they were trying to put it in. Like it didn't really add anything extra to the story that couldn't have been put in there someplace else. Um. Oh, uh, what else? Oh gosh, I had something else that I wanted to say about this. Maybe not. I mean, again, again, overall, it's solid. Like, it doesn't completely destroy anything. There are some, I feel like there's some major flaws. But, like, if you liked the first season, of course, we're recording this now, like, two, almost three weeks after the series. So dropped. everybody's seen it Everyone's but me. Everyone's seen it already, except for Elise. Um, but, I mean, I, I feel like if you liked the first season, like, there are definitely things in here that you will love. And there's not much else to it. Like it's just, it feels like it's spinning the wheels, I guess is, is, is what I'm feeling. Like it doesn't add more to the story. It doesn't give us another mystery. It doesn't, which hopefully means that like, there's some really wonderful things that they want to do in I'm season hoping. three, That's my most but they felt like thing. they couldn't, they couldn't do them. They in need season to lay two. the infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's stuff that needs to be done. We need to kind of set up what's happening first. Um, and I get that. I mean, it's kind of my same. Oh, it was the same problem with the stuff that I have. The the other problem that I have for the other thing that I wanted to talk about this week, which is superhero movies. Like superhero all, all the superhero movies. Superheroes. Are, yeah. All the superhero movies are just servicing, like, to set up for other superhero movies. Yeah. And so the story is just, well, we've got to stop the big blue space laser. So which, we can set up, stop the next big blue space laser, which we'll set up for the next three movies. Has there been another superhero movie lately? There, Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Um, oh, God. But the one that I, I wanted to talk about, we still haven't seen Thor Ragnarok. We're I, about, I haven't. Yeah. We're probably going to go see it, what, this weekend is what we're thinking? Yeah, that's that's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. Our, our friend group has been telling us how awesome it is in our group chat. And, yeah. Uh, I, I I don't watch a lot of movies. See, I, I mean, I try to <laughs> in theaters. That is, yeah, I don't get a chance to go to theaters very often either. But I've I've had a like a gift uh, a gift certificate for a while. I'm like, well, we should just go. And we keep saying we're gonna go to a movie. And I've been saying it since like August that we're gonna go to a movie. And like now's one that's out that I actually really want to go see. So I think we're just gonna go see it. Do you mind if I tech? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I'm not yeah, no, absolutely. We'll 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 go we'll watch it and we'll talk about it. Talk, Only Alex is invited, not you, podcast audience. No. We're all meeting at the movies, guys. You know the one. Yeah. yeah we'll we'll be one. there. You know that one? It's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other the other thing that I want are we does anyone have any final thoughts on Stranger Things before we move on? I, uh, I've kind of said all my piece on it. I, I think. thought it was fantastic. Of course, my my scaling of how good things are is heavily slanted in the good layer. Like like this is I wrote down my list of, of how I rate things. It's perfect, fantastic, amazing, great, good, okay, decent, problematic, not so good, bad, terrible, awful shit. And I was like, I, more I, of those things are in the good I category. Didn't, than I wrong. didn't think it was shit. Like, I, 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 I know I talked, we've talked for an hour, and I'm, yeah. I've talked for probably most of that hour about what I didn't like about it. But it's, it's like, again, the things that I liked for the most part were still there. Like, there were good characters. I liked a lot of the throwback stuff, but... 
You know we're living in the second golden age of television when you can complain about the second season of Stranger Things. For an hour. You know, for an hour. Steve's character arc is really good. Steve is awesome in this series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, but what I wanted to talk about, does okay, so the Justice League movie is coming out day after tomorrow as of our recording but when when this actually goes live it'll come it'll be coming out like that night at midnight um i am not hearing anything about this movie in fact i realized that it was like oh isn't it supposed to be coming out soon and so i looked up the release date like is it out already no it's not actually out already but i have heard more things about wonder woman 2 which hasn't even started started filming (laughs) than i have heard about the justice league movie, which is literally coming out the day after is there a media blackout because it's so bad um, well, apparently I did see a story about when I, when I Google, like, when's the release date? When I looked at, when I was like curious about it the other day and looked it up, I did see something about how apparently, um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes isn't posting a score until the day it releases. Wow. <laughs> so, you no, know, you, know, you know what I You heard? know it's quality. Negative quality. Four. Negative four on Rotten quality Tomatoes. Quality film. Undead so, tomato. Here's, here's what I, I heard about the, um, about the Justice League movie. This is, I take I take it back. So I have I have heard more about Wonder Woman two than I've heard about the Justice League movie. But here's the one thing I did hear about the Justice League movie, which Cyborg's is that in it. shut up. Sorry. Um, <laughs> is that Ben Affleck made a really terrible joke. Um, this is the one thing that I've heard, which is kind of you know in light of like we were talking about last week with Harvey Weinstein, Louis C.K. Everybody else that's now like everybody's like, oh, yeah, that guy totally sexually harassed and or assaulted me. Um, Tom Hanks is still a wonderful so, Tom Hanks let's, is let's, still. Let's all just bask in Tom Okay, Hanks stop interrupting me when I'm trying to talk about feminism. Okay, sorry. I didn't um, realize for this one. <laughs> but the... So what I would like see see this is men ruin everything. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Wow, I was making really, a joke. Sorry. I know. I love you. Um... <laughs> The moral of the story is that Ben Affleck, uh, they were asking him about, like, well, what do you think about, like, Supergirl joining? And he, like, made a really terrible comment about, like, well, if you know, if we get any more women in the Justice League, we might have to, like, change the way we approach things. Because, you know, ladies and their sexual harassment. Oh and it's, God, like, really? yeah, he really made, what like, a fu- joke. This is the first time hearing like, about this one. In light of, Holy you know. Holy shit. Everything that's been going on, he made a a joke basically saying that Supergirl would get together with Wonder Woman and accuse all the rest of the Justice League of sexually harassing them and thought it was funny. And like, that's the one fucking thing that I've heard about the Justice League movie is this stupid comment that Ben Affleck made. I hadn't even heard that one. Right. Like, like, like that's how like literally no one's talked about the Justice League movie. Oh my God. Oh yeah. my God, is that really? That's like, really, like, that's really, yeah. Because the last time I remember anyone really talking about it, and this is this is not something to be joking about, much like sexual harassment lawsuits, well, at least in, that, in the context of that, like, you can make fun of Harvey Weinstein all you want. Yeah. And, like, make fun of, like, Louis C.K. because, you know, they're they're showing us that they're trash human beings. But, and it's but fine punch make, up. Punch yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punch up. Don't punch down. Come on. Come on, Batfleck. Be be better than that. No, who am I kidding? It's Ben Affleck. He's not better oh than anything. No. Um, Matt Damon. He he does all right. He he, he directs some good movies sometimes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, 
so yeah, like the only other thing that I, I heard about, like the most recent thing that I remember hearing about was like when, uh, when the director had to step away because of the family track, like he, lo- he lost his daughter. Like yeah. that was, um, like that was the last thing that I heard about it and like just nothing since then, like nothing like other than like, like everyone's Carl in- Drogo is Aquaman, yeah. which is what anyway actually Carl Drogo Carl Carl Drogo who is this no Cal Drogo Cal Drogo oh. from um, from Game of Thrones he has an actual name but Jason who cares? Momoa isn't that the guy that was in Stargate Atlantis yes, yes. okay that's where I know him from. yes and now he's Aquaman <laughs> okay but he's not like your mom's Aquaman he's, he's the cool Aqu- and he's sexy and is edgy the, is he the Aquaman that had a hook hand no, no they don't have him no. they don't give him he's kind of like that just without the hook hand nah. like he looks he's, he's he looks like that Aquaman but without the hook hand. So they took like Aquaman from being, you know, happy go lucky, talk to fish, solve the crimes of the sea, and they were like, you know, it'd be great, like Iron Man, but in water. No, but <laughs> like, no, that's, that's, not that's, really, kind of the... that's not really what his character is. I actually, are you sure? I of the of all of the things going on with this movie. Okay, so I'm uh, before we start talking about this, full disclosure. I am a DC comic books fan. I've been a DC comic books fan for over 10 years. I've read hundreds of DC comics. I love all the characters, including like really stupid characters like Ragman and like, uh, you should tell the podcast audience who your favorite is. Who my favorite is? Mr. The Mr. question. Oh no, I like the question. Like he's not my favorite, but I like the question. Oh, okay. My favorite's Green Arrow. Oh, that's right. No, no, you're green and Green Arrow's great, actually. The question's awesome. Actually. Um no, I was trying to think of like ones that were even more obscure than that. Ragman, Ra- Rag Blue Devil, those are the ones that came to mind originally. Hawk and Dove, uh Aztec. Uh, so, you know, I, I've... Is the Blue Beetle DC? Blue Beetle is DC. Well, okay. he's originally he's Charlton Comics, yeah. but then when Charlton was bought, yeah, he, Blue Beetle's DC. Okay. Um, I, I don't read a lot so, of, if any... That's why I kind of wanted to to uh, prove my my uh, my curriculum vitale with, like, in terms of, uh, in terms of comic book lore. Like, I'm, I'm there. I'm dyed in the wolves, guys. I'm not some Marvel zombie. I don't, like... I don't just follow like one particular thing, but I love DC comics more than the rest. So that's my preamble going into this of all the things they could potentially do in this movie. I think that Jason Momoa being cast as Aquaman is probably the best part of it (laughs) because like honest to God, Aquaman, like people, people who don't know comics shit on Aquaman all the time because all they're familiar. I guess like me. Yeah. Well, because, because what people are familiar with is the goofy 1970s, uh, like Super Friends Aquaman, I mean, which is like he controls like seventy percent of the Earth. Yeah, no, see that's the thing. Like, like, and that's kind of where you go into it is like when you actually start like taking character like these characters seriously and like, well, what can that you actually do with these powers? Like, people have told some really awesome Aquaman stories, and like Aquaman gets like fucking dark in some arcs. Um, for a while. Uh, and Alex, you'd appreciate this. For a while, basically, the run of Aquaman was basically, well, you're king of the ocean, and guess what? Shit's fucking scary in the ocean. Yeah. Deal with these deep ones, motherfucker. 
<laughs> like, like that's what a lot of it is. Like, oh yeah, you're protecting like not just Atlantis, but every like all of the planet from these eldritch horrors that, that live, live underneath the ocean. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> like, like that's like you can do really cool shit with it. Um, Grant Morrison, who also wrote The Invisibles, like making again an appearance in this podcast. Grant Morrison wrote a, a Justice League arc um, <clears throat> where they're fighting. Um, Oh gosh, they're they're fighting a a group of Martians, and if any if you know anything about like Martians in the DC universe, they're almost as strong as like Superman. They've got like a little their their weakness is fire, but obviously Aquaman can't do that. So when Aquaman is squaring off against this uh, evil Martian, he well, what's his power? Well, he can talk to fish. Well, how does he talk to fish? Well, that must make him some sort of tele uh, telepath, right? Well, I guess so. So he can reach into the minds of other creatures. Well, yeah. Well, don't we all kind of evolve from sea life? Yeah. So there's one point in this battle where he basically gives this guy a seizure by reaching into the like the part of his brain that regulates like heartbeat and breath because Ew. that all comes from his aquatic ancestors and just Ew. kind of like leaves him spazzing on the ground. Like you don't. That's Fucked up. You don't fuck with Aquaman. Like Aquaman could actually be an amazing character. And when I heard that Jason Momoa was cast, I'm like, that's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Like that's that's the that is the best decision that DC has made. Um, other than the like you know than the Wonder Woman movie, that's probably the best thing that they do. I might actually want to go see the the Aquaman movie, standalone movie, but I could not give less of a shit about the Justice League movie. Mm. Um. And it's just like I don't know. No, go ahead, keep going. So uh, everyone's uh, trying to say something at once. Was I, I was just gonna clarify my my like Iron Man and water mm -hmm. comment that I made earlier, which is just like I guess the what I have seen of the Justice League movie so far is kind of what everybody's seen, which is the trailer. Yeah. And it's like in the trailer, it's like look at this badass taking this beer from this guy, like. He's so cool. He doesn't give any fucks. Yeah. Like, you know what I but mean? He, like, it's, it's. I mean, he does it. Yeah. It depends on, it depends on who's writing him and like how you're characterizing him. And of course there's been a million different but versions of all But in the like Marvel cinematic universe mm -hmm. that we are all unfortunately living in, um, you know, it immediately come calls to mind like. Yeah. Those. Anyway, I just felt like I needed to clarify I, my, I got my comments. Saying. You know, but now knowing the history of Aquaman yeah. and how amazing he is, maybe maybe I'll change my mind. So, is you want to see an Aquaman film? I would. I would probably. I don't know. It would depend. Yeah. I. But uh, but my point is mostly about Justice League because yeah. I kind of wanted to go in on like, like no one's talking about this movie. Like, can we talk about how crazy that is? Yeah. Like that's mostly what I'm I'm talking about here is that. If if you had told, you know, little baby Nicholas, fresh faced, you know, growing up in you know, going going to going to college, reading reading fifty-two, that hey, in ten years there's going to be a Justice League movie. Oh man, I'm so excited. I can't <laughs> wait to see it. Hey, guess what? You're not gonna give a shit about it. <laughs> You're you will be so sad at everything leading up to this movie that you're just not going to care. Yeah. Like, and I know it, all these criticisms have been said a million times before, but like the big problem is like you started off on the wrong foot 
and you tried to go to the Justice League too soon. Like, if you're going to do this, if you're going to just steal from the Marvel playbook, which, which let's be honest, that's what they're doing here. If you're going to just steal from uh, the Marvel playbook, you should do what they did. Marvel did what? Like five movies before the Avengers setting yeah. up all these characters? All right, so if you're going to do that, if you want that to be the case, you need to set these characters up first. And you need to do this in a way where all of them feel tonally different. Mm -hmm. Like, all of those Marvel films, like, there's there's tonal consistency in the sense that they all feel like they take place in the same world. But, like, Iron Man is a very different movie from Captain America. You know what I mean? Like, which I, is incredible. Like Spider-Man: Homecoming. I mean, yeah, it also really incredibly different movement from yeah. everything else. Like, they are totally consistent in that. Clearly, like the rules are all the same. They all take place in the same universe. But it's like, okay, what's what's Iron Man? Iron Man's a movie about a scientist. So it's gonna be, and it's kind of a he's a crazy inventor. So let's make this kind of like a madcap comedy almost in terms of tone. Mm -hmm. Right? You know what I mean? Like, the first Iron Man... Have you seen the first Iron Man movie? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, at least you've seen the first Iron Man movie. Oh, right? hell yeah, I have. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Because I'm a real American, like, Alex. Like, I'm only one of those fake, fake Americans. Americans. <laughs> um, so it's one of those... Okay, so it's like... Like, the, the tone of that movie is almost like His Girl Friday or something like that. Yeah. Like, these crazy, like, fast-talking, like, witticisms back and forth between uh, Tony Stark and Pepper Potts. And then, like, at the end, he fights the bad guy. But, yeah. like, most of the rest of the movie is this Isn't very... is he developing weapons for the he, American he, He's okay. developing... It, so here's, like, the rundown for the three people who haven't, haven't seen, seen... The first Iron Man. The first Iron Man. Or you haven't seen it in a while, because that was yeah. almost ten years ago. So... Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. That was, like, pre-Obama era. It was, it was it? 2008. It yeah. Was, it okay. Was... So it was it was just at the dawn of a new age. But um, <laughs> so what happens in the Iron Man movie is you meet Tony Stark, like uh, legendary celebrity yeah. scientist. Bill and and Billionaire it's also, playboy, owner of this huge weapons manufacturer. And yeah. it's also this, like, crazy universe in which we have celebrity scientists. So billionaire playboy, we, we got, we got, uh, celebrity got, scientist. That's not Neil deGrasse not Tyson. Neil Tyson. It's like um, if Neil deGrasse Tyson and the person who owned Lockheed were the same person. Yeah, and he's <laughs> building all Just of go these. With it. He's building all of these weapons. He's doing all this shit, and so he goes, of course, to Afghanistan. Um, he's traveling around with the troops that he's like building all of these weapons for. Uh, they hit an IED. And then um, he gets captured by the Taliban. And some like I don't even think they say Taliban. Uh, yeah, they it's don't just, even say it's Taliban. Some, it's some terrorist cell t living in a Taliban stand-in. Uh, so he gets captured by the Taliban stand-in. Well, I mean, in and, the original comic, um, he gets captured by like the Viet Cong. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the updating it for a new age, and they're like, "Hey, celebrity scientist man, you should make us some weapons." And he's like, "No, I'm an American." And they're like. You're going to do it. And so he's like, fine. And then he creates the Iron Man suit because he needs it to stay alive because he something with his heart he happened. He got hit with and some shrapnel and the explosion. Da -da -da -da. Like then he creates like the Iron Man prototype suit and he breaks out of the Taliban stand-in and goes back to L.A. for more happy, fun adventures and defeating the bad guy and making yeah. out with Gwyneth Paltrow. 
Yeah. And that's that's the first Iron Man movie. Yeah. And it's very like it's madcap, it's yeah. fun, it's very I, funny. There there's it kind of starts off with this war thing, but so like does Iron Man win Afghanistan? No, he doesn't yeah. win he doesn't win Afghanistan. He wins this one group it, of guys. It's basically that, like are living in the mountains. It's basically like he goes back and finds out like, oh shit, maybe running an arms manufacturing well, like company is actually bad what? and maybe, maybe i'm contributing to the industrial yeah, war complex yeah. and like he so he, he actually does like he kind of understands like oh man oh, no wait the bad guys are using weapons that i made what the fuck is this <laughs> i only um, make weapons for americans yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. only make my giant mech robot for defense purposes yeah exactly well i mean that's and that's that was kind of the, how emrick that's yeah. kind of the story for yeah exactly <laughs> That's kind of the story of um, of Iron Man two. Not to go into that because that movie yeah. sucks. Um, but but the, basically it's like, well, the government can't have this technology because they're just going to exploit it. I'm Iron Man, so I'm just going to keep it. It's yeah. very like Iron Randian kind of in a lot of ways. Yeah. I know, yeah, so, like, but, it, but but that's kind of going yeah. with going back to my original point without like talking okay. about every single. Because um, goddamn, we do not have time to talk about every no, single Marvel movie not. ever made. We were already in an hour. We're 15. done, and uh, I still have a whole other thing I want to talk about. I have a whole other thing I want to talk about okay so so without without going too much into it basically like each of these characters feels very different and they kind of exhibit a different ideology like again like tony stark kind of randian business like capitalist kind of thing um you know we get norse mythology and like this kind of medieval sort of mindset with thor you get um like or at least pseudo medieval like faux medieval you get the all-american boy you get the all-american boy with captain america you get um you know these kind of spies like the, the secret spies with like the shield agents and Hawkeye. you get the coming of age story with spider-man Spider and so and when those characters but no are black all, widow movie yeah, no Black Widow movie. There needs to be one. It'd be really fucking good. Yeah, um, what the fuck, Marvel? Um, well, like, we doing... have we've had Although, how many Thor movies? Scarlet, Four. Scarlet. Fuck you. Three. Three. Um, but Scarlett Johansson is going to be in a spy movie called Red Sparrow, which is like Jesus Christ. That looks fucking great, by the way. But it clearly is meant to be like, hey, guess what? Here's what a Black Widow movie could look like, Marvel. Yeah. We could totally do this. It would look good. Um, which this is also the second time she's done that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, God, there was yeah. that other one. Yeah. What was the other Lucy. one? Lucy. Lucy, that's right. So, that Lucy, Red Sparrow, we're never getting a Black Widow movie. Um, but anyway, in any event, um, the point that I'm making is that they set up all these different tones, and, like, the interesting thing when they throw them together is, like, well, how do those things interact? And I've, I'm kind of stealing a lot of this from uh, uh, Owen Citizen video on U from YouTube, um, Browse Held High. He did one uh, about the Avengers and basically said, well... All these characters are heroes of their own story. We've got the heroic, brilliant inventor. We've got um, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde trying to save the world from himself. We've got the all-American patriot. Like, are those heroes in their own stories, are they heroes to someone else? Like, does a soldier give a shit about a scientist? Does a secret agent give a shit about, a, uh, give a shit about like, a... a uh, a science like an inventor like who care like like that's what makes it interesting we have competing ideologies that if we're going to have these characters go into any sort of interpersonal conflict with anyone but the bad guy makes the story more interesting and that's why at least the first avengers movie worked so well the second movie had some problems which i could do another yeah. hour-long podcast about my problems with that movie um but going back to like dawn of Ju like justice league 
the they fucked up from the very first movie that they tried to start with this with Man of Steel because they just made Superman Batman. Yeah. They just made Superman the reluctant defender of like, oh, I've got so many problems. Yeah. Oh, I've got so many issues about unresolved feelings over the death of my father. Which, I'm going to wander the world and grow a beard. Which is why like the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman movie was so fucking needed and so wonderful for a number of reasons. Yeah. But also because you have the fish out of water, but I'm still plucky and believe in, like, she's more Superman than than Superman. Superman. Oh, no, she absolutely was. And that that was one of, I think I actually said that when we saw that movie, was like, this is the tone that if you're going to do a grim and gritty universe with Superman in it, this is the tone that you need to have. I personally don't feel like you need it. Like, again, Grant Morrison, I'm going to sing his praises again. If there's anything that I learned from reading Grant Morrison's comics is you don't need something to be serious to be written for adults. Yeah. Um, so he wrote, he has written the best Superman story I've ever read. All-Star Superman. Uh, and the reason why that story works is because he takes the goofiness of Superman seriously. Mm-hmm. So the story is, uh, for those of you who haven't read it, I recommend everyone goes out and reads this. Like, if you're one of those people who I never understood who said that Superman is a boring character, you're wrong, first of all. Second of all, read All-Star Superman to find out why you're wrong. Um, the premise of the story is Superman goes, uh, th- there's a, the first manned mission to the sun is the opening incident of this story. So right off the bat, it's going to be something super goofy and like 1960s Silver Age kind of wackiness. So the first manned mission to the sun, Lex Luthor is trying to sabotage it. And so Superman flies directly to the sun to try to save, again, the crazy uh, super smart, super famous scientist who's there. Like save him from this. Mm -hmm. So Superman's power comes from the sun. It comes from the way that yellow sun radiation interacts with the cells in his body. Main sequence star radiation. Main, main, yeah, it's yellow sun radiation. It's not no, even. No, <laughs> because because Krypton, Krypton orbits a red sun, which is also main sequence, but Kryptonians don't have powers our, our, on Krypton. Our sun, our sun is not yellow. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so, so Superman's powers come from the sun, so he flies super close to the sun. And, like, gets supercharged. Well, here's the problem. Is that his, he, he basically... He gets, like, super cancer, basically, is what happens. But the, the side effect of it is, well, your powers are going to get stronger and stronger and stronger, and then you're going to die. Like, basically is the premise of it, is the setup for it. So it's kind of put in this very, like, mythological 12 labors, labors, uh, 12 labors of Hercules kind of thing, where it's like... Superman starts talking to the Superman of the future about like, well, what's going to happen to me? Well, now is when you complete your 12 tasks. You do all the greatest things. And so like the entire series is just like Superman going on these crazy ass adventures. But there's this kind of like maudlin sense of, oh my God, Superman's actually going to die at the end of this. And then like at the end of the series, he flies off and it's like, well, does he actually die? Like he he flies off basically to go save the sun. So he becomes a sun god. Um, it's fucking great and it's goofy as shit. It involves like shrink rays and time travel and like he arm wrestles Samson at one point. Um, he creates an entire universe, uh, 
That universe, by the way, it shows through the entire span of time and in the year 1939 on the year uh, or 1937 in uh, the earth of that universe. We see a brownstone where two guys are talking and they say, this is it. This is going to change everything. And it zooms in. It's the original sketch of Superman. And it's the fucking greatest thing that's ever been written, <laughs> at least in the medium of comic books. Um so it's like you can totally do Superman seriously and still keep that lighthearted boy golly gee kind of tone. Like it works. It works really, really well. And what would make it even more interesting is you throw in that gravelly gruff uh, Batman who's been around for a while. And guess what? That way when they fight, it makes more sense that they don't like each other because they're two completely different people with two completely different worldviews. Like that's how it works to the extent that it does work in, um, in Dark Knight Returns, which is where what Zack Snyder was clearly going for with Batman versus Superman. It worked in Bat and Dark Knight Strikes or Dark Knight Returns because Batman is shown to be this anti-authority kind of like kind of like recluse from society, like angry at the government, angry at the world, everything sucks. And Superman is this pawn of like this Reagan kind of dystopia run of muck. Like he's the all American, like my country right or wrong. I'm going to fight for America. And so like that conflict then works when they fight. It makes sense because they, they represent two different things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like setting it up that way in, in Batman versus Superman, throwing these characters together originally where they don't have any real discernible differences that make sense while they fight for no reason. And then they make up for no reason. And then like, well, what the fuck was the point of the movie? And so really, I, like, I don't know in order for this to work. And I feel like if they wanted to do, because they wanted to be differentiate themselves from Marvel, I feel like in terms of in terms of artifice, but not in terms of actual content. Like if they wanted to really make themselves different from Marvel, what they should have done is, hey guys, the Justice League, and this is what they were going to do in 2009, actually. I was hearing about this recently, that George Miller was going to do, like Mad Max George Miller was going to do a Justice League movie in 2009. And the premise for it was going to be the Justice League's been around for years. These are well-established characters and a universe who knows what they, who knows who they are. And it's like, if you're going to do it different from Marvel, that's how you do it different from Marvel. Yeah. And you do it well. Cause guess what? We don't need another fucking scene of Batman's parents being shot. Yeah. We don't yeah. need that. The world knows about that. And Marvel figured that out when they did Spider-Man homecoming. Cause guess who we never see in that movie. We never ever ever see uncle ben we never hear the line with great power comes great responsibility because everyone knows who spider-man is because we have seen his origin story now twice in the last 15 years on the big screen yeah so like why yeah. like why do you need to see everyone knows what batman's background is everyone knows what superman's background is the only one of those main three characters who maybe needed an origin story was wonder woman 
And we got it in and, spades. And we got it in spades. But I'm saying, like, you don't... I don't think you need that movie for a Justice League movie to work. You can yeah. just throw in that character and be like... And then talk about, like, oh, yeah, on my home island of Themyscira. It's like, oh, I guess that's why she's special. She comes and, from Magic Island. And I would say because of, like, Batman the Animated Series. Because yeah. of the Justice League the Animated, Justice League animated series. series. God, the Justice League Animated Series does, again does kind of adult storytelling so much better than these supposedly made for adults, dark Zack Snyder movies. It does it so much better and it has such a better tone. Um, which yeah, everybody should just go watch the justice league series. Cause that shit is amazing. But, um, something that I wanted to point out was, um, oh, shit. Now I can't, you don't I can't remember. remember. No, 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 but it was, we, I've been talking we were, ta- we were talking about, about the justice league and we were talking about wonder woman and we were talking about, like origin stories and great now now i just lost my train of thought sorry did you lose your segue to the thing you wanted to talk about no 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 no. but um because we we started talking about the justice league the animated series um and then you just started thinking oh so this is this is no no no. but this is the point that i was gonna make was that prior to the like stupid marvel cinematic omniverse that Mm -hmm. has sucked all of pop culture in with it and now it's aligned with disney And now it's aligned with Disney, so it's just also made an even more mega corp that we will all soon work for, is no one really knew Marvel Yeah. before these movies started coming out. Like, everybody knew X-Men. X-Men had a bajillion cartoons, and it was pretty prolific, but, like... No one really knew who Iron or, Man was before. I mean, or, like comic nerds knew yeah. it. You knew the, and comic who the nerds were excited, but like not like if in someone the way... would show you a picture of Iron Man, you would right. be, oh, that's Iron Man. Well, what's who's the secret identity? Uh. <laughs> like, where, where does he get his powers from? Uh. Um, rather, but the the difference is is like everybody was super familiar with yeah. DC because it, like. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't Everyone knows who in the is. fucking like in the nineties and in the early two thousands, it's like you couldn't you couldn't change a channel without seeing a Superman or Batman story. Yes. And so we we really didn't need fucking origin story on top of origin story for Batman and Superman. Like I would have much rather have seen the George Miller's version of like uh, yeah. we've been seeing this for and that is like still a story that we haven't like we get glimpses of it in the Marvel universe and in the expanded universe with all the Netflix shows of like what does happen when we do have superheroes in the world and they're a part of the world but that's still something that we haven't really it's something that I feel like cinematically has not been explored to the extent of origin stories. And so the the point that I kind of wanted to make with this, and oh, I, 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 I thought, oh, sorry, I thought you were going to start talking about the movie Hancock. But... Oh, yeah. No. Well, right. Oh, God, fuck that. <laughs> that movie was so, the best advice that I got about that movie was my brother watched it and he said, okay, he's like, when you, when you get about halfway through the movie, just turn it off. <laughs> like, like, like he's like the, he's like, it's two different movies that are smashed together. And the first part is really, really great and solid and interesting. And the second part is crap. I, so he was like, just turn it off when you get halfway. Actually, through. you know what the best the best version of a of superheroes in a realistic setting is? The Incredibles. Oh, actually, no, that's that's <laughs> that's a good answer too. But I was gonna say the tick. 
Fuck yes, the tick. <laughs> the the especially the, tick. the new Amazon tick. We do we talk about that? We've already that talked about the Amazon. Last okay. yeah. It's still really good. But we're always gonna come back to everybody the should go is watch the really tick. Really good. Um, but no, but you could. I mean, I feel like in my mind. I'm sorry, Alex. I'm really failing at this whole plan to get Nick off of this off this track that he's oh, on. That's, that's okay. It's but, okay. But it, it's the Nick Ramble section. Yeah. Is, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I because I've been thinking but about this. He, for the he, last few he days. hasn't uh, mentioned Dark Souls I yet, haven't. so we're good. Um, the good thing about Dark Souls. Shut is, up. Sorry. <laughs> um, I haven't actually been playing it too much, but but the point that I've been trying to make, the the thing that I've the, that kind of spurred me on this, that made me want to talk about this is i was thinking about like well what would you do to fix it at this point like because it's i have i have almost every belief that this movie is going to completely flop because like batman versus superman wasn't a flop but it had the largest drop off of box office taken from friday to friday like opening friday to the second friday it was out that gap in amount of money that they brought in is the largest ever from first friday to second friday um, because like there, there was so much bad word of mouth and then like suicide squad was like, didn't live up to it. Wonder woman lived up, like exceeded expectations because it was actually something a little bit different and like tonally was more and, in line and with And the expectations wanted. were set so low yes. and the advertisement was so low yeah. that like all wonder woman See, had for it was word of mouth. Here's the thing. People kept talking about how little advertising there was for wonder woman. And I feel like there's even less for justice league. Maybe that's yeah. just me. Maybe I'm just in a bubble and I'm not seeing it, mm. but I saw way more advertising no, like, for wonder woman. I've been in target woman. like five fucking times in the last two weeks. And like, you would think at target there would be, you know, I've seen stuff like at target. posters or t-shirts I've or seen, like, whatever. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Like you're not assaulted with like yeah, yeah, the yeah. 24 hour advertisement cycle. Yeah. Like I, I've yet to skip an ad on YouTube yeah. for the justice league. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Um, and we watch a lot of YouTube. Um, but <laughs> the point that I was trying to make is how, uh, like how I was thinking the other day about how would you salvage this? Like if I, if someone, you know, came to me, if, if Jeff Johns came to me tomorrow and was like, we've really screwed up the DC cinematic universe, Nick. We need your help. Help help us figure out how to save this. <laughs> help us, Nick. You're our only hope. You're, You're the, our only hope. Um, what, what I would, my, my solution would be go with like the biggest like weirdos and losers in the DC universe. Like Beetle. just well, I like beyond like yeah maybe Blue Beetle. I I was thinking like Booster Gold. Like give us a Booster Gold movie. <laughs> like like make make the next cycle of connected movies just make it fifty two. Give us like an elongated man movie, a Booster Gold movie, a question movie, and they all kind of like interconnect with each other. I would watch the shit other. out of a question no, movie. No, because because fifty two fifty two was the comic book series that got me into comics. And the premise for 52 was there was this huge multiverse threatening crisis level event. At the end of it, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman all go away for various reasons. Superman basically uses up all of his energy and it takes him a solid year to recharge it to get his powers back. Batman feels like he's failed too much and kind of needs to go find himself. So he goes on this like journey across the world um, with Robin and like a few different Robins actually to like basically train and like his Robin harem. He's got like, well, he's there's at there, this point there are, I think still three, maybe four living Robins. I don't oh, know Jesus. if I don't remember You're if I need a new Robin. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if, um, if, uh, 
Damian Wayne is alive again. I'm pretty sure he is. It's been a while since I've read a Batman comic. Okay, so they, they've all gone away, and then now we're left with... So, and, and then Wonder Woman has to go find Themyscira. So they've all gone away. And so basically, the mainline DC comics jumped ahead a year in time to when all those characters are back. And so like the stories were kind of reflecting on what had changed. In the meanwhile, they were doing a week-by-week release called 52. So one a week for 52 weeks. And the premise of it was, well, how does the world go on without Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman? And so it's like all of the losers just kind of step up. Mm. And so, like, Booster Gold gets all these corporate sponsorships to protect Metropolis. Um, Elongated Man had lost his wife. And so is like there's this whole story about, like, him trying to save her, like, well, like bring her back from the dead. Um, there's a story arc about... Uh, the question is dying and he's finding a replacement for himself to take over for the question. And so like, it's kind of a road trip movie with him and another rather famous character named Renee Montoya. She kind of shows up in Batman, the animated series. She's a Gotham city police detective. Um, so it's like, they go on this buddy road trip together. It's like, you could just turn all of those stories into a movie and then just have each of those like characters from the other movies kind of just appear in the background. So like there would be one where, you know, Booster Gold is flying through and on the rooftop, you see, uh, Renee Montoya and the question. You know what I mean? Like, you could just kind of interlace those. That would be what I would do. I would go for the weirdos, because there's some weird-ass characters in DC Universe that never get any play. Um, And Marvel is starting to embrace their weirdness. From what I understand about Ragnarok is that they're throwing in a lot of, like, weird nobody characters. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy is, like, super popular now. And, like, those are all weirdos that no one cared about before those movies came out. Just just give us weirdos, man. Give us a Ragman movie. Give us a Spectre movie. Uh, give us, like, like a... a um, Oh, God, I blanked on the name of the character for a second. Well, that's fine. fine. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But yeah, give us a... Oh, Dr. Fate? Give us a Dr. Fate movie. Hell, Dr. Strange was really popular. Give us a Dr. Fate movie. Make it happen. Uh, Just put in... Throw in all of the weirdos. Don't do Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Let them lie. Maybe Wonder Woman. But, like, Batman and Superman can just, like, retire for a while. And then, like, just bring in... Like, give us a... Give us, like, a, a Green Lantern core movie. Like, not even Hal Jordan, just all the weird aliens, like, fighting space monsters. That's what I want. All right. All sorry. Right. We, you guys want, now, want we, to move on. <laughs> we, now, we now know everything that Nick hopes and dreams that DC <laughs> movies could become. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Elise had something that she wanted to talk about. Uh, speaking of rebooting things. Yeah, really. speaking, speaking of shitty reboots that nobody asked for. Um, have you guys heard about Amazon Prime's new um, yes. acquirement? Yes, I'm excited for this. Wait, so of course the, you're excited for this. The uh, supermarket? No, 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 no. Yeah, they're uh, rebooting food. Foods. <laughs> yeah, they're rebooting it's, food. It's called Holer Foods. It's gonna be but, a um, grimmer and darker version <laughs> of food. Um, okay, no. What, green. What's actually <laughs> happening is uh, Amazon Prime. On Jeff Bezos' private island. <laughs> So two two things that have recently happened um, in in the literary universe. Uh, one is Amazon Prime has now acquired the rights to the Lord of the Rings. Yes. Um, so they are able to. It's it's they, they have now? this like really great gift 
and they don't know what to do with it. So it like no one really knows what they're doing. They're apparently casting for a younger Aragorn. So there's some rumors that it's going to be sort of a prequel. And in, in a 20s to 30s Aragorn as opposed to like a 40s Aragorn. Okay. I was, you um, said younger Aragorn. I was thinking like Not like, like wee Bobby. Seven? Yeah. No, no, no. Not like a well, wee Bobby Aragorn. But like somebody in their 20s. So somebody like before Fellowship. Like a while before Fellowship. But not be like. a long ass time before Fellowship. Because he's actually like 80 years yeah, old by yeah. the time that the Fellowship of the Ring starts. So that's like, and then people, people, there's been some talk about like, well, maybe they're going to do parts of the Simmerillion or they're going to do parts of like the Lost Tales. Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Um, the Adventures of Tom Bombadil has been thrown around a lot. Like people are like, uh, is every season going to be a book of from Lord? Because Lord of the Rings, while it is a trilogy, each one of the trilogy books is actually broken down into two books. So there's six books total. Um, no one fucking knows what they're doing and here's the crazy ass part of this though mm -hmm. which is that today christopher tolkien son of J.R.R. tolkien stepped down from the tolkien estate and he did so by jumping into a giant vault, uh, vault of money <laughs> like scrooge mcduck and just swam away are, are they gonna let us say so, the word hobbit now i know right like no, oh we my can't god! Talk about that anymore? Like we can't talk about Christopher Tolkien showing up every time someone says the word Hobbit. Oh, no, no, asking Bezos to will show up. Oh god, that's terrifying! Yeah, I don't want to yeah. talk about that. It's like a drone. It just like comes up to your door. No, no, no. no it'll be Jeff Bezos himself. <laughs> He's just waiting for an excuse. Really, I'm I'm looking for like his voice on an Alexa, and it just comes up, and it's like. You owe me $5 for saying the word <laughs> Hobbit. But, like, Christopher Tolkien stepping down from the Tolkien estate. This is bonkers. This is fucking bonkers, though, because it opens up this huge array of things that was never on the table before. So now all of a sudden people are like, are we going to get a Lord of the Rings amusement park? Like, are we getting Lord of the Rings? Like, like what shenanigans will be wrought the, from the fact the, that, like, the animated series. the unholy I'd union? Be, I'd be fine with an animated series of G G Jeff Bezos <laughs> and the Lord of the Rings. And so it's anyway, it's really crazy. Kind of, we we are living in the upside down, um, in many ways. Just to bring it all full circle, the fact that like Christopher Tolkien is stepping down, Amazon Prime now has the rights to. The exclusive rights to Lord of the Rings. It's like, holy shit. Like, I don't know what's going to happen can, in the next year, but it's going to be nuts. Can I say that I'm actually really excited about that? Really? I, I, really? I, I, I mean, okay. Here's why. Um, The reason why, and, and this is kind of related to one of the reasons why I make fun of Christopher Tolkien all the time, um, is because J.R.R. Tolkien wrote lord of the rings in part to kind of be the framework for a whole bunch of other stories not stories that he himself was going to write but like he throws in like um because he was so and this is this is my literary background here he throws in uh he, he was so enamored of beowulf and in beowulf one of the things that he found so interesting in it is because it was a poem that was meant to be performed for like a king or a lord the, the poet who wrote it throws in these other little references to other tales that don't get elaborated on. 
The premise of which basically being like, hey, my lord, after I finish this story, I also know this story about this other king if you want to hear that later on. And so, like, Tolkien does the same thing. It, lord of the Rings is peppered with all these little references to, like, story seeds. Stories that don't exist yet. Yeah, stories that yeah. don't exist yet. And his idea for Middle-earth was that, well, when he was done with this, other people would take those things and roll with them. And then, like, the reason why I make fun of Christopher Tolkien all the time is that he has just kind of hoarded all of this, like, intellectual property. He's smogging it. He's smogging it super bad. Yeah. Um, Like, like was, just kind was... of keeping it, and then, like, nothing ever happens with it except for, like, hey, here's this rough draft that my thought father wrote on the back of a napkin twenty dollars please was this like a thing that back in the day authors were much less concerned with intellectual property i don't know if it was Cause necessarily because like, like i know Tol you say tolkien's like that i know lovecraft was like yeah. that. it was like hey friends just write about my gods i don't, I don't know if it was necessarily a back in the day thing but it was certainly a thing that like tolkien was very conscious of because mm -hmm. i mean this was like that was there's several decades in between lovecraft and tolkien yeah. um and i think that well i mean, I mean he started around this yeah thing, you know? Same time. Uh, well, kind of. I mean, if you're, because when was the first one? Like 1912 was the first published Lovecraft story. 19, no, 1920. Um, yeah, I guess you're, you're right. They're probably starting writing around the same time. But like, Lord of the Rings was like 1950s. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but that was mostly like, mo if I'm remembering Lovecraft correctly, and this is going way off topic, that that was mostly like people that he knew. Yeah. He yeah, kind of yeah. let like like um. Um, Robert Howard and stuff like that. He would mm -hmm. kind of let use those same ideas. Yeah. Um, but like Tolkien was just kind of like, yeah, like, well, here's these ideas for stories that people can just use. Yeah. And so like that really excited, like both of those things coming together really excites me because it's like, well, then anything can happen. We can get literally anything that is in any way related to Middle Earth. And like some of it is probably going to be terrible, but like some of it might be really, really good. And some of it might be a mixture of both. Like, here's my fear. Here, here's my fear, Shadow which is that I don't want them to Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they're two very oh, different. Yeah, no. Like, we don't need a gritty reboot edition of Lord of the no, Rings. No, we don't. Like, Lord of the Rings, it's a very, you know what I mean? Like, it's a very like. Good is good, mm -hmm. evil is evil, there is right, there is wrong in the world. I like, am still upset that they cut out Gandalf's explicit sex scene from the Peter Jackson <laughs> movies, though. I will say. But, but you I'm know, sorry, there's what? something really, <laughs> yeah. I'm but there's sorry, something what? really comforting about, you know, especially when we're living in the age of the gritty reboot, there's something really comforting about The Lord of the Rings where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's just to once again bring it full circle. There is the plucky Samwise Gamgee and Frodo. And there's like, there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Yeah. And that I don't want it to lose that quality. And I'm really scared with the runaway success of Game of Thrones, with the fact that we're living in the gritty reboot era the fact that like we can't even get goddamn Superman to be yeah. a nice guy, that it's just gonna be like like Aragorn smoldering smoldering in a corner, you know what I mean? Like I I don't need that. I don't need that that in my life. I don't want it in my life. If we're gonna do Lord of the Rings, like do it upright. Do it with you know all the the borderline saccharine yeah. <laughs> sweetness. And 
that it has. And to a degree. And let's not lose that. I, and I and I definitely agree with you, but to a degree, the Peter Jackson movies were already the gritty reboot. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like when you look at actually look at the text and like listen to like the the uh, the public radio like audio versions of Lord of the Rings or the original where, animated versions where, of where it. Aragorn sounds like someone's dad from a 1950s sitcom. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's just like walking yeah. around Middle Earth in a gray suit and like a perfect haircut. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but like that's as that's as gritty and really like the the Peter Jackson like in comparison to like think about the media from the last seven years like. Think about post-2010 media. Yeah, yeah. Like, the Peter Jackson, like, it looks like fucking daisies and rainbows compared to a lot of, like, it's it's not as gritty. I it is like, not as gritty okay. as, as Game of Thrones. Oh, no, not as Game of Thrones. It's not as gritty as, like, a lot of the other stuff that we've seen I'm talking recently. About, you I'm know what I mean? I'm about, like, purely visually. Visually, yeah. yes, it is darker. But, like, I'm like, that's as dark as you can get with yeah. Lord of the Rings. And I agree. I absolutely agree with you. Um, I, I'm, but what I was saying, like, I'm, I am excited by the prospect of like just getting something completely crazy yeah. and off the wall. And I, like, okay. I would love a Silmarillion TV show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I would love like a book of lost tales. I would love for someone to like, like, uh, like take a song and like spin it into like a mini series or something yeah. like that. Like one song that appeared one time. Well, we could do like, <laughs> Oh, Elbereth yeah. Gathonriel, yeah. the mini series. <laughs> um, just one last thing. I also, I'm not sure if I would even say that the Peter Jackson version is gritty so much as grounded. It's grounded. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like and there I mean, wasn't a lot of CGI. A lot of stuff was handmade. So it felt very yeah. real and very visceral, but it still kept that heart. Yes. That yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like, you know, like in, like, because Game of Thrones is jaded as fuck. And yeah. I love Game of Thrones. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, I don't want that level of jaded for, for me, with Lord of the Rings. For me, when we, talk, when we talk about things that are, like, grim and gritty, it means two different things. I can use it as a, and I think that's how you're using it here, is, like, kind of as a, um, oh, well, it's for adults, so it has to be dark and yeah. violent. And uh, we, we're extreme and we rip people's heads off. And, like, yeah. that that is, like, the stupid person's version of what Grim and yeah. Gritty is. Like, saying that, like, if you think the that's... The Rob Liefeld version. Yeah, 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 the Rob Liefeld version of, like, Grim and Gritty, where it's like, uh, we gotta break this guy's arm. This was something, like, uh, uh, going kind Couches of... Couches everywhere. Kind of going back to, uh, to uh, Zack Snyder, like, with, like, DC superheroes. Like, when he... His ep- his version of uh, Watchmen when that came out, like Watchmen is like the grittiest story you can possibly imagine, like the original comics, and he just had to make it more violent. Like there's this scene where they, uh, I remember this was one of the things that stood out to me as like one of the things that I really didn't like about that movie. There's a scene where two of the main characters get mugged and they fight them off, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, we're superheroes. That's right. Like this is what we're for." And in the movie version, they just like instead of just like fighting these guys off and beating them up, like there's one part where um, one of the characters just straight up snaps a guy's arm in half. And it's like completely unnecessary, completely tonally unimportant to what's happening here. Doesn't add anything to the story. You just wanted more blood. Okay, whatever. Um, And so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I mean. When I say gritty, when I say gritty, I mean like, grounded in reality like it feels like i could walk out my door and see it like yeah even if it's something that's completely fantastical like i could believe that the orcs in lord of the rings worked because there was a sense of grit about them they felt like something that actually existed in the real world you like the same sort of difference between like 
the original Star Wars trilogy and the prequels. The original Star Wars trilogy looked dirty. Like, you could see smudges of dirt on armor, and, like, 3PO and R2 are always, like, beat up and dirty and stuff. Like, it in the, like, there's blast marks on things. Like, and then in the prequels. And then in the prequels, like, everything is just shiny chrome. It's it standing in front of a blue screen. literally also happened with Lord of the Rings. If you look at Lord of the Rings compared to The Hobbit. Yeah. Yes. He totally George Lucas did it, and it yes. was so... It was so frustrating to watch him just make so, another director's exact mistake. So I'd be yeah. fine with something like gritty in that sense for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I'd also be something fine with something like completely goofy and cartoonish. Yeah. Like if they wanted to do like a fucking like Hobbit TV series that's done in this like kind of more like the Rankin Bass. Yeah, one, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'd be down for that. I'd be down for literally anything than them doing just Lord of the Rings again. Yeah. Or like I. I Anything else could work because I feel like the Peter Jackson films are so they're not. I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect film, but they're about as close to a perfect they're film. A, they're as iconic. You could possibly they're a, get. they're a cultural touchstone. Yeah. They're like you know they're a cultural classic. And yes. they and they and they capture the original source material so well that there's no way you could possibly improve on it. So just don't try. Uh, unless yeah. uh, unless you add Tom. Unless you add Tom, Tom Bombadil. Bombadil. That's true. Um, or not. Or maybe that was a really great directorial decision I mean, to not have fucking Tom Bombadil well, ruining the, your shit. That whole arc with him saving them from the uh, from the Barrow Whites is actually really important because it explains why Pippin is able to injure the uh, Witch King later on in the series because the sword that he uses for that was taken from the barrow of the barrow wife. Hey, Alex, why don't you take us home with your webcomic of the week? <laughs> I mean, I had a whole other show I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. Because, well, well, you know, well, I did more than just work and play video games this week. Okay, was, but we're also sh- creeping on a two-hour... Yeah, yeah, what was the other Sorry. show that you wanted to talk about? I mean, I mean you can do what you want. I mean, this, I mean, I, it has absolutely nothing to do with what y'all were up to. <laughs> I, I got recommended an anime from another friend. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, Elise and I have been talking most of this podcast, so why don't you just take it for a while? All right. So, so this is uh, this is something called uh, Noragami. Have you heard of Noragami? I, I think so. Okay. I don't have no idea what it's about. Uh, it's, it's. Uh, I had to subscribe to a fourteen-day free subscription to Funimation to watch it. But, oh. But uh, they own your soul now. You realize that, right? Not if I unsubscribe before fourteen days. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Good luck with that. Yeah. Um. So so basically, the the premise of it, it it's it's an interesting premise mm-hmm. that there are gods like like these Shinto style deities that exist. Okay. And one of them is named Yato, who basically goes around the city of Tokyo wearing a scarf and a tracksuit. Trying to uh, to do good deeds and try to help people for five yen coin each, you know, good deed, <laughs> to try to save up enough money to build himself a shrine. Oh my god! Okay, no, I'm automatically interested in this. <laughs> and uh, oh, and while he's doing this, uh, the the gods of this realm they they don't they they when they use a weapon like mm-hmm. like if they're fighting there's this the the near shore which is what they call you know just regular earth. And then the far shore, which is like the spirit world, mm-hmm. and uh, in the spirit world, which is kind of like uh, I guess kind of like the upside down. It's where you have all the buildings and you interact with the actual things. But there are these spirits just walking around, yeah. and sometimes they're phantoms, which are these kind of monsters type thing. That some of them are more violent than others, and then there are these spirits, which are the souls of dead humans that yeah. sometimes go around. And the souls of dead humans are really 
really vulnerable to being attacked and corrupted by these phantoms. And so basically what, what the gods have to do is they, if they have a weapon, the weapon is basically a spirit, a dead human that they take and they turn into a weapon. Oh my God. It's the most metal thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and, uh, and they bind it to them to, to work for them. Basically. This needs to be a concept album. Holy shit. <laughs> This doesn't. This works less as an anime than as like something that like you play backwards and your mom thinks you're summoning the devil. You you go to a laser light show based off of this album. Uh, but the um, so so Yato is derping around the city trying to find someone's lost cat. Okay. And uh, as you do, and runs into Hiori, which is this. I think she's in middle school. This this middle school girl, uh, and no, most people can't see him. She does, and she kind of sees him out of the corner of her eye, and he runs out into the middle street to, and, and almost gets hit by a bus, hmm. and she actually saves him. She runs in, knocks him out of the way, and gets hit by the bus. After that point, she kind of can travel back and forth between the near and the far shore, but not willingly. She, like, has extreme narcolepsy at that point listen billy pilgrim has come unstuck in time where where she will she'll be just walking around like normal and then not realize that she actually fell asleep and her body's like five feet behind her uh-huh. and she's walking around in spirit form now. <laughs> uh and in spirit form she's got this tail so she kind of looks like a cat but in any case if the tail is like her connection to the werewolf in any case that kind of gets brought up later but the idea is basically he is tasked with stopping this it's like i don't want to be falling asleep all the goddamn time it's exam season <laughs> and those middle school exams man they're really important in japan oh, fuck. i mean That's to get true. into the right high school or to not get picked for battle royale yeah. <laughs> so uh and then but uh yato needs a new regalia he needs a new weapon and so he finds this uh, the spirit uh name and he names him we, uh, the spirit is named uh yukine i think uh but um Yukine is the spirit of this dead boy and can't remember anything about his life and is really just fucking emo all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, that kind of drags on it. But the story is, is largely what I'm, what I'm finding. I haven't finished watching the first series season. Uh, but what I'm finding is it's largely more about kind of Yukine growing up because he's, he's a little shit and he's like stealing things from stores because no one can really see him. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get him to be good, but Yato is a terrible, terrible role model. <laughs> so The squatting slob the, is a terrible role model? Yeah. <laughs> he does squat Sorry. a bit, but no. <laughs> um, so so there, there's all this. There's these other god characters that come into it, and it, it I am really enjoying it. That sounds actually pretty amazing. It is. It's been a while. I think the the last anime that really caught my attention was uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So. And you haven't even watched much much of that. I've watched the first. I, I yeah, I've, I've seen about half of it. Oh, I, okay. I'm I'm in part three. Oh, okay. Like in the midst of part three. So I I need to go back. It's mostly because I really just hate. Crunchyroll and the way that Crunchyroll's mm. app works for streaming things. Yeah. So it means I'd have to watch it on the computer and I'd rather just stream things on my couch. I mean, I have to watch this on my computer. Yeah. We've got a Wii and it doesn't support, you know, yeah. automation. Yeah. But um but no, I I am really enjoying it and uh maybe maybe you might take 14 days free subscription <laughs> <laughs> to watch Wait, this thing. Funimation, you want to sponsor us? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. 
but that's that's really all I I, I had to say. Uh, Noragami, uh, I had to look this up. Noragami basically translates to stray god. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, Good, I works. like it. But yeah. yeah, so it's it's fun. And thank you, friend that recommended it. I am talking to you now. Thank you very much. I am enjoying it. Yeah. So that's what I that's what I did. That and playing Hearts of Iron Four yeah. uh, and winning the Spanish Civil War as the Republicans. Which yay! Was, yay! Take that, Franco. <laughs> Take that, Franco. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Generalissimo Francisco Franco is now dead. All right. All right. There's bombs in Andalusia. Um, uh, to the barricades. Yeah. Now, would you like to take us home? Yes. With- so, <laughs> so webcomic of the week. All right. So, webcomic of the week this week is Harpy G. Uh, last week, I went with one that you recognized and you knew. Has anyone heard of Harpy G? No. no. That's completely new for me. Okay. So, Harpy G is a very it's it's un, it's a very uh kind of cutesy animated or not animated but uh, cutesy drawn style um uh, it's about this uh elf girl named harpy or harpy g and in this world the elves every elf basically can do magic mm-hmm. but she can't and Aww. she hasn't been able to do magic since some nebulous attack that happened years ago uh, and so she went off to train in the arts of sword fighting as opposed to magic using and slaying monsters. And it's largely, it's, it's, it's very kind of kidsy, but I still enjoy it. Uh, she goes to this town, uh, called, um, oh God, I'm forgetting the name of the town, but it is, uh, this small little, small little village, um, Pod- Podong? I think it's called Podong. <laughs> <laughs> That'd of be course. perfect. Uh, and, and she makes friends with uh, the local uh, sa- the, the local salesman of herbs and potions and such. Uh, makes friends with, you know, uh, you know her, her name is Opal. Makes friends with Ash, one of the guards. Makes kind of not friends with the local prince, uh, Prince Humphrey. Uh, but Prince Humpudink? Yeah, Humpudink. Prince Humphrey is is basically just kind of grumpy and grouchy all the time, but we find out why because he's turning into a fairy. Aww. Uh and it's it's uh, it, it it's just kind of heartwarming and adventurous at the same time. And it does okay. a really good job of kind of balancing those two things of adventure and dire straits, you yeah. know, but also it's cutesy and fun loving. And I, I think I, do like those things. I think it's great. It it only updates on Mondays as opposed to multiple times a week, but it up, usually updates with multiple pages a week, mm. so it feels like you know more happens each episode, each nice. update. So, but I, I enjoy it, and uh, I figured it's kind of lesser known, and I'd like that's what the main purpose of uh, webcomic of the week is to showcase lesser known and I guess more well known webcomics for people to to check out for themselves. All right, cool. All right. Uh, anything so. else for there, anyone? No, we're done. We're done. I'm okay, sorry. we're, we're, <laughs> we're done. We're past the two-hour mark. We're past two-hour right. mark. Bye, right. everyone. I guess we're I, done. I, my name's Alex. I'm Nick. And I'm Elise. And this has been some. Some nerds, nerds have a podcast. podcast. Thank you for listening. Take care, guys. Bye.